G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Don't tell me you're a Christian and you're blatantly breaking the commandments left and right. If you love him, do what he says. And if you don't do what he says, really, how much do you love him? In John 15, the Lord said, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Pastor Greg Laurie says the meaning is clear. You know, Jesus did not say, "Uh, You are my friends if you do whatsoever you agree with. He said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. To be a Christian... You don't have to fill out a form in triplicate and take it off to the Justice of the Peace to sign. You don't have to have your hair cut in a certain way or get a tattoo or not. There are no secret handshakes or confidential passwords. But how do we know that we really are a Christian? That's not an insignificant question. And on A New Beginning today, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to evaluate ourselves to see how our commitment matches the biblical requirement. It's part of his happiness series based in Philippines. sometimes people ask the question, can a Christian lose their salvation? Let me give you a short answer. Ready? No, I don't think so. But let me ask another question that I think addresses a deeper issue. I don't think the question should be, can a Christian lose their salvation? I think the question should be, did that Christian who's allegedly lost their salvation ever really have salvation to begin with? You see. Because if they did not bring forth what the Bible calls fruits in keeping with repentance, I would suggest to you that they never were a Christian at all. Hey, just because someone carries a Bible doesn't make them a Christian. Just because someone says, praise the Lord, it doesn't make them a Christian. The Bible says, even the demons believe and tremble. There has to be fruit or results in their life as they work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Hey, here's something you might want to write down. Here are five litmus tests to show that you are really saved. Because someone will say something like this. You know, I tried the whole Christianity thing and it didn't work for me. That drives me crazy when I hear it. Because my answer is, no, you didn't. Well, how do you know? Because Christianity is not an it, it's a him. And it's God Almighty. And when Christ comes into a person's life, He will work in that life. So if it, in quotes, did not work, that's not about Him, that's about you. And here's some questions I would ask the person who allegedly, quote, tried the whole Christianity thing, end quote, and it didn't work. Number one, I would ask them, did you confess Jesus Christ as Lord? Because 1 John 4, 15 says, if anyone confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Did you confess Christ as Lord? Did you ever tell anyone you were a Christian? 
I'm not saying that all you have to do is confess Christ as Lord because you could do that and not be a Christian. But having said that, I think if you are a Christian, you should confess Him. Sometimes we have people walk forward in invitations and you've heard me quote the verse where Jesus says, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father and the angels in heaven. And the reason I do that is it helps people to see this is a serious commitment that you must make. And I'm not saying that's the only way to confess him, but it certainly is a way to confess him. Being a Christian is not something that is hidden, but is open. Number two, do you obey the commands of Jesus Christ, or did you obey them? Because 1 John 5, 3 says, this is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. Did you keep his commandments? Don't tell me you're a Christian and you're blatantly breaking the commandments left and right. If you love him, do what he says. And if you don't do what he says, really how much do you love him? You know, Jesus did not say, uh, you are my friends if you do whatsoever you agree with. He said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Some will say, well, what if it's hard? So what? If he commands you to do it, you, you do it. It's whatsoever. You say, well, what if you disagree with the Bible? Change your opinion. You're wrong. And the Bible's right. It's as simple as that. Uh, also that verse says his commandments are not burdensome. You know, do you find the Christian life miserable and confining? Does it seem to you as though God is out to spoil all your fun? I think you're missing the point a little bit. Because if you've really met Jesus and He's come to take residence in your heart and you really have this love relationship with Him, I think you will want to do the things that please Him. And I think you by nature, and I would also add by a new nature given to you by God, you would not want to do the things that would displease Him. Okay? Number three, if you're a Christian or if you claim to have been a Christian, were you unhappy or miserable when you're sinning? Were you unhappy or miserable when you're sinning? First John 3, 9 says, Everyone that has been born of God does not habitually sin because God's seed remains in him and he's not able habitually to sin because he's been born of God. I think what happens is the more you become like Christ, the more you realize you're not like Christ. And the more godly become you become, the more you realize how ungodly you really always were. So there's always the awareness of sin, but at the same time there is change in our behavior. There is change in our actions. There is change in the things that we say and do. Uh, that's bringing forth fruits in keeping with repentance. But notice that it says that if you are born of God you will not habitually sin. It doesn't say you won't sin at all. Because some will say, well I've reached sinless perfection. No you haven't. No I have. Well you're lying and that's a sin and you haven't. Because the Bible says that we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So we'll never be sinless this side of heaven. But a Christian will sin less and less and less. Well, thanks for joining us today. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. And he's giving us five litmus tests to check up on ourselves and evaluate if our faith and commitment is genuine. Let's continue. Here's another one to others. Number four, did you keep yourself from the devil? See, if you're really a Christian 
If you've really been born of God, you'll keep yourself from the devil. First John 5.18 says, We know whoever is born of God does not sin, habitually, and he who has been born of God keeps himself from the devil, and the wicked one does not touch him. What does it mean to keep themselves from the devil? Well, the idea is that you stay as close to God as you possibly can. See, I don't keep myself saved, but I can keep myself safe. Let me say that again. I don't keep myself saved. That's God's work. He saves me. But I keep myself safe. Because I know there are certain places if I go there, that's a bad scene for me. Like, you know, let me illustrate with food. I know there's certain places, there's certain food I like to eat in that place. And if I go there, I'm going to eat that food. But if I don't go there, I won't eat that fattening food. So I may avoid that place. Uh, so the same is true in life in general. If I go to this party, if I hang out with this person, if I watch this thing on TV, if I go to that website, trouble always follows. Okay, news flash. Don't go to that website. Don't go to that party. Don't hang out with that person. See, instead of it, find a better place to go. Like church for a midweek Bible study. What a great choice you made. Well done. Pat yourself on the back. Go ahead, try it. It's not that hard. Yeah, that looked really weird. Okay. No, but I'm glad you're here. You made a really good choice here uh, for tonight. Replace your ungodly friends with godly friends. Go to websites that will edify you and build you up in your faith. Harvest.org isn't a bad place to go. We have a lot of goodies there. And also we have an app for your phone and daily devotionals and all our messages and all kinds of things. But you know, replace it with something that's better. The Bible says that we should keep ourselves in the love of God. So the idea of that is, is stay as close as I can to the Lord. And another one, do you love other Christians? If you're really a Christian, you will love other Christians. Why? First John 5, 1 says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. You know, when you really love someone, you'll love their kids too. You know, and I have friends, they have kids. Hey, I love their kids too. That love extends to the children, right? And in the same way, if we really love God, we'll love his children and we'll want to be with his children. Some people might say, well, you know, I, I can't find a church I really like. And plus, Sunday, it's my only day off. Okay, but the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as a matter of some is, but uh, exhort one another, and so much more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Uh, it doesn't say, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, unless Sunday is your only day off. Or don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, unless you want to run in a triathlon. Or don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together unless it's a good beach day. No, it says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. To put it in vernacular, don't miss opportunities to be with other Christians for worship in the church, hearing the word of God. I know the church has its flaws. That's because we're in it. Right? But just remember that Jesus started and loves the church and Jesus died for the church. And 1 John 5, 1 says, if you love the Father, you'll love His child as well. So if you really love God, 
you'll love his kids. Now let me turn it around. If you don't love his kids, by that I mean fellow Christians, how much do you love God? How, much, how can you say you love God who you can't see if you won't love his people who you can see? Start there. And so these are simple litmus tests that show that our faith is real. Here's the key. Look at verse 13. Don't miss this. It is God that works in you both to will and do of His good pleasure. So let's look at it again. Philippians 2 starting in verse 12. Paul writes and says, Therefore my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Which means carry it to the goal, fully complete, like you're in a mine. Uh, fear and trembling was self-distrust. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God that works in you both to will and do of His good pleasure. It's God working in me. It's not me trying to imitate Jesus. It's Jesus living in me and Jesus living through me, you see. That's where the strength comes. I mean, where did you ever get a desire to even want to open the Word of God? I'll tell you, that came from God Himself. Where did you ever find a desire to want to actually worship God? That too came from the Lord. So that's where we're going to get the desire to will and do of His good pleasure. This is what the Lord wants for each and every one of us. So we can know we're saved. But let me just say, you know, some of you maybe have joined us, and most of you have. <laughs> Physically at least. We're talking about being saved and you don't even know what we're saying. I think the phrase saved is a perfect expression that's very understandable. Uh, we understand it in other settings. Someone's in a burning building, firefighter rushes in, what do we say? They were saved, right? Or someone's drowning and a lifeguard goes and rescues them, what do we say? They were saved. Because they were on the brink of death and someone saved their life. So when we talk about Christ being in life, what do we say? You're saved. Saved. Saved from what? Uh, hell? That's a big one. It's the biggest one of all. You're saved from hell. Because you've believed in Jesus, you're no longer going to hell. And now you're going to heaven. But saved from what else? Saved from the power of sin. I no longer have to be under its control. I've been set free by Christ, saved from any addiction, saved from any vice, saved from anything or anyone, and saved from the power of the devil. Oh man, before I was a Christian, I was like a spiritual dartboard. I had no way to fend off the devil. But because Christ lives in me, we already read there in First John, the wicked one touches me not. That doesn't mean the devil can't tempt me because he can and he will. That doesn't mean the devil will not hassle me because he'll do that as well. But what it means is the devil cannot control me and the devil cannot attach himself to me and certainly the devil cannot live inside of me. It's almost like you have an ID tag hanging off you now that says property of Jesus Christ and the devil can read. And he respects it but he still wants to make your life hard and if you're listening to him then you'll have trouble. But if you keep your distance from Him and keep your eyes focused on Jesus, just remember God will never give you any more than you can handle. There's always a way of escape to every temptation. But saved, I love that. 
In a moment we're going to pray and I'm going to give you an opportunity to believe in Jesus. You might ask, well, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? What it means is you believe He's here, you believe He's real, and you ask Him to come into your life because when it's all said and done, being a Christian is Christ living in you. And He will come and set up house in your life. He will come and take residence in your heart and be your Savior and be your Lord and be your friend and much, much more. But He will not force His way into any life. He waits for our invitation. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank You for sending Jesus. And Lord Jesus, thank You for coming and going to that cross and dying for our sin to save us and thank you for rising again from the dead. And now you stand here at the door of our life and you knock. And if we'll just hear your voice and open that door, you will come in. I pray for any that are here that don't know you. Help them to come to you now. We would pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer about coming to the Lord to find forgiveness of sin. And if you'd like to do that today, Pastor Greg would like to help you right now. Yeah, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ stands at the door of our life and he knocks. And if any man will hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Maybe as you've heard me speak today, well, you've heard another voice speaking to you. It's the voice of God. And you realize you need Christ in your life. You need your sin forgiven. You want the assurance that you will go to heaven when you die. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to pray. And I would like to lead you in a prayer right now where you will be saying to Jesus, Lord, come into my life. I choose to follow you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn from that sin now and I put my faith in you. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my God, and my friend. I choose to follow you, Jesus, from this moment forward. Thank you for loving me, and calling me, and accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know on the authority of Scripture that Christ himself has come into your life. The Bible says, these things we write to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. If you just prayed that prayer in a minute, you can know today you have eternal life. And may I be the first to say to you, welcome to the family of God. Thanks, Pastor Greg. And we'd love to send you some resource materials to help you to grow in your new relationship with the Lord. We call it our New Believers Growth Packet. We'd be glad to send it to you free of any charge or obligation. It'll help answer some of the questions you might have and help you build a solid foundation for your faith. Just ask for the New Believers Growth Packet when you contact us on 1-800-005011. Well, tomorrow, Pastor Greg presents the final message in his happiness series. It's a look at running the race of life successfully. It's something we all need to know. Hope you can join us same time tomorrow.
for a copy of Pastor Greg's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. Search We Can Work It Out at visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.